Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow. Mad cow. Mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sign Nation. Welcome to the show here on another Friday afternoon. I have some show notes for you if you're looking for some wrestling tonight. WCWO at the Outlaw Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana, as usual. Supreme Wrestling happening tonight featuring legendary Larry D. of Impact Wrestling. That's in Madison, Indiana. Tomorrow night, Supreme will be back there in Madison. Innovate Wrestling in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can find myself at Northwest Pro happening at Curly's in Hauser, Idaho. SCW in Mountain Pine, Arkansas, EC Wrestling in Ashland, Kentucky, and NCW in Fallensby, West Virginia tomorrow. So there's some wrestling out there. Go find it and support the local independents. Like I said, you can find myself there in Idaho with Northwest Pro. I believe our own Randy Zellers will also be in attendance. But I believe one of our guests has arrived, so let's bring him on right away. Do we have John Cosper with us? I'm right here. All right. Well, John Cosper, I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us here today. Um, You are here primarily because you are the author of several books on pro wrestling, but one that is about to be released that being the autobiography of Turnbuckle Turmoil's own Hall of Fame member, Princess Victoria. What can you tell us about this brand-new book you have coming? Well, the book, we actually uh, just went ahead and released it on Amazon yesterday, if anybody wants to pick it up off of there. This is the story of of one of the the great ladies of the wrestling ring. She only had a career that lasted about four years because of, unfortunately, a a fluke injury that that occurred in the ring. But um, Princess Victoria has wanted to tell her story for 20, going on 22 years. It was actually 1999 when she started trying to write the story herself, but um, she's just got an incredible story to tell, uh, not just about wrestling, um, but but about her life before wrestling and even after wrestling. Um, long before she ever set foot in the ring, long before she even knew what pro wrestling was, th- this woman was a survivor. Um, and I will tell you that this is this is not the easiest book you'll ever read because the story about her childhood and, and some of the things she went through is, is you know, it's it's pretty pretty startling at times but you know she's very frank about it she's very honest about it and it's a story that she really wanted to tell because you know as as she said over and over it's like if i help one person to realize that you're not alone and it does get better and and you can move past you know these horrible things that have happened to you then that's that 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 was her reason for for starting to write in the first place but you know this is a book for for wrestling fans certainly but it's also a book for you know anyone who's ever been through through a hardship anybody who's ever suffered through you know a really rough childhood people who have been through abuse um this this is a story that i think is going to touch a whole lot of people not just wrestling fans 
We've had Princess Victoria on our show. Um, obviously, she's a Hall of Famer for us, but we've had her on multiple times. Uh, she has painted a picture of some of what you've talked about in our interviews with her. I know she had a very uh, difficult start in pro wrestling. Uh, it was kind of a hardship for her to get in. Uh, she didn't have the easiest of time in the business and then had to leave wrestling due to an injury she suffered, so it wasn't on her own accord that she had to leave the business. We all knew that, but over time, she had places, uh, both podcasts and television, where she did paint kind of a picture of a really rough upbringing and a lot more struggles than we really knew of when she was active in wrestling. How shocking was it for you as you're working with her to create the book, learning a lot of the details that she's put into this? Like I said, she she doesn't hold anything back. She, she's very honest. She's very frank about, about the kind of abuse she suffered at the hands of her stepfather and uh, not just herself, but but also her brothers and, and, and some other you know children that were part of the family. Um, I mean, it's it's shocking. I mean, it, it's really horrifying to read something like this. And you know, we don't often think about it. You know, I, I certainly grew up in, in in a good family with with a mom and a dad who were very loving and caring, and was very fortunate in that. But a lot of people don't have that, you know. And it's it's kind of a startling thing to read about, and then to realize, you know, that this is for a lot of people, this was the norm with what they grew up with, and this is what they knew. And, um, you know, it's it's something that we're not going to be able to move past it unless we can we can discuss it in the open because, you know, a lot of people who grew up like Vicky did they think well this is how it is for everybody and it's you know, you know when you have someone like Vicky who's willing to speak out and share her story then you know people like that can realize no this is not normal this is not healthy, you know this is this is criminal behavior you know and it's you know it's okay to speak out it's okay to seek help. Um, you know, and, and, you know, there, there's a way out of that situation. And it's not just important for people that are growing up in those situations, but it's important for other people to have their eyes and ears open and, and be willing to look for the signs. And, you know, if you see or hear somebody who's, who's going through something like, like what she went through, you know, to be able to speak out and be able to step in and, and help somebody out who's in need. Princess Victoria was up here in our area, the Pacific Northwest, for a good portion of her career. For the country at large, the Pacific Northwest was kind of isolated away from the rest of the wrestling world. Unless you lived here, you didn't hear about it too much. The magazines covered it very, very little. Um, there wasn't a television presence showing you what was happening in Portland if you lived elsewhere, but there was a real hotbed of pro wrestling, and over the years, some other wrestlers that have written books have uh, chronicled a lot that we didn't know about the wrestling scene in the Pacific Northwest, people like Roddy Piper and The Grappler, and very recently, Lance Von Erich all detailed quite a bit in the Pacific Northwest scene. Do you think that the fans that are interested in the Pacific Northwest and learning more about this particular territory are going to really enjoy this book? Because I know uh, Princess Victoria is very, very fond of her days working for Don Owen. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and she's got some stories about Don. She's got a lot of stories about Sadie Barr and <clears throat> the way he kind of tricked her actually into training. She says she was tricked into, into it. And he told her he had another girl he wanted her to work with to just to be a body in the ring. And then all of a sudden, after three weeks, it was just Vicky in the ring. But, you know, the, the wrestling of Bug and Bomb. Um, I mean, Sammy Barr had a fantastic crew in those days. And, and Vicky raves on and on about, you know, not not only the, the way those guys worked in the ring, but the way they treated her and the way they treated Velvet McIntyre. Um, you know, she trained with, with Terry Allen, you know, when he first came into the territory. And, uh, helped Sandy Barr lie to Don Owen and tell him, yeah, he's been training with us for forever when, when it was really just his first first time being in the ring. And um, she has stories about training with uh, Velvet. She has uh, some great stories about, you know, the, the, the kind of person Sandy Barr was and not only, you know, how he trained her and, and, and never took a dime for, you know, for, for, for the training that he gave her, but uh, the way he looked out for her, you know, she had kind of been on her own since she was 14 and, you know, she was a teenager and, and working different jobs as a waitress, you know, in the Portland area and, and, and kind of getting her freedom and, you know, learning that there was life beyond the childhood that she had had. And, you know, she could have, and she'll honestly tell you, it's like, I, I could have gone hog wild. I could have ended up, you know, you know, goodness knows what could have happened to me. But, you know, Sandy Barr was always watching out for her and taking care of her. You know, and, and she's got some great stories about the, the crew that she worked with. Uh, she has some fantastic Roddy Piper stories, which which for me is always a draw. Um, a really great story, too, about how Buddy Rose was, was the guy who really put her on the map. And um, actually, all the guys came together you know, because she was put into a, an eight-person battle royal one night. Don Owen's original concept was for her to be the first person tossed out. And all seven of those guys got together and said, nope, Vicky's going to be the last one eliminated, you know, and we're, we're going to put her over tonight. Uh, so, yeah, if you're a Pacific Northwest fan, you, you're certainly going to enjoy the book. Um, uh, there are still a lot of people that were trained by Sandy Barr that are active in pro wrestling at the independent level in Portland. Uh, I know Princess Victoria herself has made a few appearances over the last few years at some of the independent shows to visit and occasionally will go out in front of the fans as well. Is taking the book kind of on the road, if you will, uh, something that you can see happening for the book? Do you think Princess Victoria will make a loop of the local scene and sell the books at merchandise tables here in the Northwest? I think she'd certainly like to. Uh, she's, she's, you know, she's not one of those veterans that, that, you know, says it was better in my day and what's going on out there is garbage. She's, you know, invested a lot of time in, in uh, you know, working with a lot of the young kids and, um, you know, and, and partnered up with some of Sandy's students to help help kind of train the next generation and, and to do it right, to do it old school. And um, I know she's she's definitely wanting to get back out there and see the fans, you know, her, her health, you know, has has been kind of kind of kind of rough over the last several years, but she's she's feeling better than she has in quite a while. And um, I, certainly, I, I know that that's I don't know that she has any set plans at the moment, but but I do know that that's something she's wanting to get out and you know to see the fans and 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 also to you know to, to get the book out there that way as as well. Now, in addition to Princess Victoria's book, like uh, we've been discussing. You've written several other books about uh, various pro wrestlers, helping them out with their autobiographies. I know that uh, those books have been well-received so far. What was it that uh, caused you to write Princess Victoria's autobiography? What was the connection there? 
Scott Teal actually put us in, in touch. Um, Scott Teal with Crowbar Press, if, if, if your listeners don't know, he's one of the great, I mean, really the great encyclopedist of pro wrestling. He, he's, I, I don't know how many books he has to his credit at this point. Um, but I mean, he's, he's, he's done bi- biographies, autobiographies. He's done record books of a number of different towns. Um, he's worked with a lot of other historians. Um, he, he put out a book about um, the, the Ricky Dozan days in, in Japan with, with Koji Miyamoto. Um, he worked on a book about Madison Square Garden with J. Michael Kenyon. Uh, Jason Presley's done a lot of great work on uh, the early days in Alabama. And I know Scott's published a lot of Jason's stuff as well. But um, Vicky had reached out to Scott initially, and Scott had told her, you know, I, I would love to help you, but I'm but I'm two years out, and and uh, she had asked for a couple recommendations, and uh, it was, I was one of the names that, that Scott had given her. So Vicky messaged me on Facebook, and and uh, I was in the middle of uh, wrapping up Chris Candido's uh, um, biography this past fall when I heard from her. And uh, we, we had a conversation by phone. She kind of told me what, what she had done so far and, and everything and sent me all the stuff that she had worked on over the years and put together. And uh, I was, you know, after reading it and after talking to her, I was like, yeah, I would, I would absolutely love to help you out. And um, She really had a great start to it. Yeah, you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't typically go where, you know, I'll release one book in January and have another one released, you know, in, in March like I did this year. But Vicky had really done a lot of work in advance. And it was really just kind of pulling things together and, and, uh, and getting some additional stories and, and kind of making a cohesive package for her. So, um, no, I was, I was absolutely thrilled to be able to work with her. One of your other books is one that I definitely have in my collection, and that is Tracy Smothers' autobiography. Um, If everybody doesn't buy this book, then everybody dies. Um, Tracy, of course, shortly after the book came out, uh, passed away. I know that uh, Tracy put a lot of time and effort into getting that book. He wanted to get it out to the people, which he did. What was it like working on a book with Tracy Smothers, who has millions and millions of stories throughout his career? That that was an absolute treat to be able to work with Tracy. Um, you know, and it was the whole time we were working. Unfortunately, we ran into the specter of him. He, he had been diagnosed with stomach cancer. Uh, this would have been the fall of uh, 2019, and uh, we had actually been talking for about a year at that point, and when he had first reached out to me, I had a couple of the projects ahead of it, and um, the spring of 2019, I had started kind of doing the, the preliminary work on the book and, and gathering the stories that were already out there, um, and by fall, when we were ready to start doing the interviews and everything. He, it was actually right around the same time he was starting uh, his, his chemotherapy. Um, I tell you, Tracy's, you know, absolutely probably one of the biggest hearts that's ever been in, in the pro wrestling business. Um, not only his love for wrestling, but his, his love for, for pouring into, you know, other wrestlers and teaching and training them. Um, you know, Tracy has so many guys and ladies out there that refer, still refer to him as Pops. He is their wrestling father. Um, he was their mentor and, and, and just, just cared about them and, and, and nurtured them. And, you know, I, you know, somebody else like, like, like Vicky who, you know, you know, saw value in, in, in you know, pouring himself in, into the next generation. But um, working with Tracy was, was a delight. I mean, every week, you know, we, we'd spend, you know, two, two nights a week on the phone for an hour, hour and a half, kind of depending on how he felt. And, um, you know, when he was in the hospital and, and he had the chemo, treatments going on you know there would be they, they gave him some sort of medication that hyped him up and, and some nights he would just go and go and go we, we'd go for an hour and a half two hours some nights and 
you know, there'd be nights when he was home recovering and he, he couldn't talk for more than 10 minutes because he was so completely wiped out. But, um, I mean, yeah, like, like you said, he's got a million stories, um, just, just a million great memories. And, and it was, um, it was it was a ton of fun to work with uh, work with him on it. Um, just one of the best guys, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, and it it's still you know losing him was awful. Um, um, I, I miss that guy every day. You know he was he was constantly texting me. We're, if we were talking wrestling, we were talking football, we were talking whatever. Um, but but uh, you know he he was a true friend. He was a great guy, and uh, and I know I'm not alone in saying this, but but I I still absolutely miss that guy. Same here for sure. I definitely miss Tracy, and uh, I'm glad the book uh, was able to come out and he was able to see it uh, reach the fans before he passed away, so I'm very thankful for that. Uh, uh, Obviously not looking for specifics or anything, but has that book been doing fairly well? It's done very well, and uh, Trace, Tracy was there to see the success of it and see the reception that it got, you know, and it's, uh, um, you know, we got the book out, I believe it was March when, when we finally got it released, and then it was October when he passed, so he was able to see see the, you know, the response to it and, and people's reactions to it, which was great. Um, it's a shame COVID happened because he was actually going to be at Cauliflower Alley last spring, and um, they were going to have him, you know, do a seminar and, and do a Q&A and everything, and just him to get that due and, and to get that recognition from his peers would have been so nice. He, he wasn't, you know, in line for any of the awards or anything like that, but um, it would have been, would have been fantastic for him to get to do that. And, uh, you know, it's just, I, I mean, you know, there's a lot of fans, you know, I'm sure out there, you know, because they didn't pay attention to the regional promotions or they, they don't go as far back in the memory. They may not know who he is, but again, this is a guy, I mean, you cannot underestimate, you know, the impact he has had on this business and uh, a number of guys, you know, still working for, for WWF, for AEW, for Impact and, and Independence, you know, who, you know, he touched and, and he inspired and he took him under his wing. And, um, you know, the impact he ha- he's had on this business is, is just very far reaching and, and, and will, you know, it's, it's going to be felt for a long, long time. Definitely glad to hear that for sure. Now, you run a website, it's um, eatsleepwrestle.com, and on the website I noticed you promoting a show that is near and dear to us. We helped uh, promote the show last year with the actual promoter of the event, that being Paul Cade 2. We will actually have Chad French back on our show leading up to Paul Cade 2. Uh, just like we did for the original Paul Cade. What can you tell us about uh, what Paul Cade means to you and why you've promoted it on your website? Well, Chad French is a guy I've known for, for a couple of years. He's, he's done a great job of, of promoting the independent wrestling scene here in the Midwest. Um, he's a guy who's, who's doing something that, that I don't have the guts to do or the desire to do, and that's promote a wrestling show. Um, you know, I think the blog post you're referring to, I, you know, first line I put out was Chad French is an idiot <laughs> because, uh, you know, there's just so much involved in, in promotion. That's just, you know, it, it's like the old Jim Cornette line. How do you make a million dollars in pro wrestling you know, as a promoter? You, you start off with 10 million, but, uh, now Chad put together a pro, you know, he had a, you know, vision for, for doing something to, to help the Salem, Indiana animal shelter. 
And he put together Pawcade last year, which he was able to put off in spite of losing his original building um, through some sort of shenanigans that I, I don't, yeah, you know, independent territory shenanigans. But um, he found another building, and in spite of COVID, he was able to get the show off. And I know they had a pretty successful fundraiser last year. Um, you know, he's struggling to kind of get the word out and get people to buy tickets this year. But look, he's he's got a great show put together. You know, if, if you like independent wrestling and if you want to see some of the stars of tomorrow, I guarantee you there's at least one star on that show who you're going to see on television in the next uh, probably two or three years once she turns 18, and that's Billy Stark. So, you know, this is a great chance to come out and see some pro wrestling and, and to do some good because, I mean, every, every dime that they make is going to support the animal shelter you know, it's going going for a great cause. It's going to help animals, and um, you know, I, there, there's just there's there's not a better guy out there you can support too with this in Chad French. And, you know, like I said, I, I think the world of the guy as a writer and as you know, as a promoter of wrestling and as an announcer, um, he's really done a lot of good for for independent wrestling and for a lot of the wrestlers. And I know that's that's part of the reason why a lot of the wrestlers sign on for these shows in addition to wanting to help the animals themselves is uh, just how much he's done for them. So yeah, Pawcade is going to be going to be an outstanding show. Um, I don't have the dates in front of me or anything like that. It's sometime in April, but um, if you look at Pockade 2 um, on, on Facebook, you can get all the information on it. You can order tickets uh, and find other ways you can you can help support the animal shelter. Date for that is April 17th, just so people are aware and they can make sure they have plans to be there. It's going to be a fantastic date, and Chad French will be here the 9th of April, so you'll hear more about that show from us, but uh, just kind of sticking with Paul K just for a second, um, shows like that that are getting noticed not only from the fans that are going to be there in person supporting the animals, but it was a big deal on IWTV, which is a streaming service for independent wrestling. Uh, Independents have really relied on streaming services in the last year because of the pandemic and not having the ability to have full capacity shows where fans can go. Uh, Here in the Northwest, we still can't have live wrestling in front of paying fans yet. Uh, So it's been a blessing for the industry to have a streaming service like that. When oh, absolutely. you see yeah. shows like that that are going to get eyes on them like that, in the back of your mind, is there material there for books in the future? Are you looking for people that are maybe on shows like that that might be seen by a large number of people and you're thinking it might be a perfect time to start writing their story? Um, yeah, I, I, I'll be honest with you. My, my projects are kind of mapped out for the next year and a half, but you know, it, it's and um, Chad, Chad's actually talked talked about doing something about the independent scene, like what I did a couple years ago with Eat Sleep Wrestle, uh, which was my second book. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll say that there are some some folks, not only some, not only name wrestlers, but independent wrestlers that that I would jump jump at the chance to, to work with them on stories. You know, it's. Um, there's the old adage, if you walked in a bar and you saw Jeff Bridges sitting at one end and Bo Bridges at the other, who are you going to go sit by and talk to? You know, and, and the, you know, the, the, the logic behind that is, you know, everybody goes up to Jeff Bridges. Everybody wants to say hi because they recognize him and he's the big star. 
you know, he's used to smiling and shaking hands and taking pictures and moving on, you know, but Bo may not get recognized as much, even though he's a phenomenal talent and he might be the one to sit and tell you more stories and, you know, excuse me, that, that's where a guy like a, like a Tracy Smothers or, or a Madman Pondo or, or, you know, somebody like that is, is going to have a world more stories to tell you because, you know, they, they weren't the headliner and they weren't the big time. They weren't the one answering a million questions and has already done a million interviews. But they were there. They got the stories. They got the dirt, and they're not afraid to just spread it. So, um, you know, I'm, there, there, there's, you know, there are some certain folks that, that I would love to work with, and you know, I'm always kind of keeping my eyes out, and, and I've got my dream list of, of folks written down as well. So, um, you certainly never know, you know. And, and like I said, I, I definitely see a a future television talent in Billy Starks, and, and I think there's there's quite a few of them in independent wrestling who. You know, if they don't get their due, they should get their due, you know, and um, two of the ones that I always harp on, I'm like, somebody needs to sign them and give them their, you know, give them their opportunity to shine before it's too late is uh, Lufisto and Aaron Williams. Um, I I don't think there's any woman who's had the impact on pro wrestling the last 20 years that Lufisto has and has never worked for a major company. Um, And there's a lot of folks here in the Midwest, myself included, who say Aaron Williams is the best unsigned talent that's out there you know i mean they, they just never put on a bad match and they're always worth seeing so um you know i mean it, it's it's a it's a lot of fun watching the independent scene and, and the last couple of years i've got you know I, you know when i wrote eat sleep wrestle you know one of the girls i put on the cover is uh, crazy mary dobson who became sarah logan in wwe you know and it was fantastic to watch her go through all that um you know, and, and I've, I've watched a lot of other talents kind of come through and, and look to the majors and everything. So, um, yeah, I mean, certainly the you know, possibilities are always there. I'm always looking, you know, looking ahead and, and wondering who am I going to write about someday. And um, the thing that draws me the most in though, is, is is the great storytellers, you know, and that's one of the reasons why I, I actually pursued Man Man Pondo and wanted to write his book. And um, his has done so well. We're, we're getting ready to work on a second, and it's it, it's because he's a great storyteller. He, he's he's got a lot. He's got a, a lot of great stories to share. So, um, I guess in a roundabout way, you know, am I looking for somebody? Um, I, I've always got my eyes open, and I'm always I'm always eager to see, you know, who's got the potential, who's going to go on to the next level. And you know, I always get excited when you know when I see somebody show up on TV, whether it's with Ohio Valley Wrestling or Impact or or, or wherever it might be. I am hoping you get a second Pondo book. You know, I've watched Pondo since, oh, he was not very well known at that point. He hadn't quite burst onto the scene yet, but uh, he had some wars for Dan Garza's PWI in Indianapolis for sure. So I am positive mm-hmm. Pondo's got at least another book in and maybe a couple. We, we're, we're, t- we're talking at least a couple, and uh, I'll tell you, if, if you're watching IWTV and, and some of the other streaming services, you're going to see a lot of him coming up. He's got three shows coming up, WrestleMania weekend is part of the collective, and um, I think he's doing more death matches now than he has has in quite a few years. He's, he's in demand just about every weekend. He's out on the road. Um, he's, he's still selling the first book. Anytime he takes them out, he, you know, he, he, whether it takes you know one or two or whether it takes, it takes a dozen, he sells out of them. Um, you know, and he's and you know, yeah, I, I put him in the same category with Tracy. Is just a guy who's got a ton of heart. He's poured a lot into a lot of wrestlers, and um, particularly with with the Girl Fight promotion that he's run the last several years. You know, I mean, look at all the names that have come through Girl Fight. You know, working one show or a dozen shows or whatever. 
that are on TV now, you know, and I look at the roster he's got now and some of the girls I've seen come through and I'm like, we're, we're going to see some of these girls on TV before too long. And, uh, um, yeah, like I, like I said, he's just, just an incredible storyteller and, and a great guy. And, uh, um, if you don't know who Man Man Pondo is, go Google him, go watch him on YouTube and, and keep your eyes open because, you know, he's, he's, uh, his bookings are up this year and, and I'm really excited to see that for him. I most certainly am as well, and I take a little bit of pride in Pondo once seeing me in a dressing room and asking me not to do anything that would scare him. That might have been the most surprising (laughs) moment in my career, personally. (laughs) Um, You and Victoria, uh, when you were writing her book, I'm sure uh, covered a lot of places like Japan and Canada, where she was active for quite a bit in her career. When you're writing these books as autobiographies for the people that were there, is it important to you as the writer to have a familiarity with the cultures or the um, kind of distinctiveness of the wrestling scenes in these other countries? Or do you rely on the people whose story it actually is to kind of relay to you kind of the differences in what they were doing in one country to the next? I, I mainly let, let the folks that I'm working with kind of, kind of guide the stories as, as to what they want to tell and how they want to tell it. But I, I do do a little bit of background work. And if there's a name that I don't know or, you know, a territory that, that I don't know much about, I'll certainly do, do some studying up on it. Um, just to add some extra color to, to the story that Vicky's telling or Tracy or, or whomever it might be, uh, just, just just to give a little bit more of a well-rounded, well-rounded picture of what was going on. Well, at this point in time, my co-host QT is standing by, and I'm sure he has questions as well, so I'm going to pass things over to him for a bit. So, well, thank you, Sonny Guy. Hello, John. Hello. John, our Turnbuckle Turmoil fans want to know how you got into the business of book writing. Did you major in English or journalism in college? I did not. Um, My bachelor's degree is in general studies, which means I know a little bit about a lot, but not much. Um, Now, I did take a lot of writing classes in college because at the time I was a – um, I was writing a lot of drama. I'd actually gotten involved with the drama ministry at my church and, and had begun writing uh, skits and plays for other churches as well. So um, I was really focused at that time on, on writing for theater. And, uh, you know, I took some playwriting courses, some creative writing classes, um, and, uh, you know, so, some, some nonfiction writing courses as well. But, um, you know, it wasn't a major of mine, but, uh, you know, it was something that, that I was pursuing professionally as, as kind of a side hustle even back then. Um, doing the drama thing, which um, yeah, I did that for, for 24 years, well into, into my years as a wrestling writer. And um, over the years, I tried my hands at, at film writing and, and had a feature film produced and, and also some short films um, um, and had written some fiction books. And in fact, I've got a fictional website, johncosper.com, where I've got a lot of sci-fi and um, some other kind of random things that I've put together over the years. But um yeah, you know, it was. It's just always been in my blood. It's just always something that I've loved to do, you know. And uh, you know, back in 2012, I was looking for a new challenge and something different to do. And um, I've been a wrestling fan for a long time. And uh, 
I've never done anything nonfiction, nothing historical or anything like that, even though I'm a big history buff as well. And um, having read a lot of wrestling books and, and I knew of Mark James and all the great work he had done on Memphis, but I knew he'd never done a book specifically on Louisville. And, um, and I started looking into you know, kind, of, kind of the history of Louisville, and I knew, well, between Memphis and OVW, there's certainly enough information there for a book, but um, I had no f- idea how far back it went. And, you know, with, with my first book, Bluegrass Brawlers, I went all the way back to 1880, uh, telling the story of pro wrestling in the city of Louisville. And um, that, that, that's kind of how I got into it. You know, I guess I was, you know, messing around online and, and reading different stories and things like that. And then one day at lunch, I said to my wife, I'm thinking about writing a book about the history of wrestling in Louisville. And uh, she said, go for it. And she's regretted it ever since. But, uh, you know, it's, a, uh, it's, it's certainly been an amazing ride and, and just the opportunities that have come just, just from that one conversation and, and just taking a chance. Something tells me you didn't grow up in the Northwest. Am I correct? <laughs> I didn't grow up where? You didn't, it, something tells me you didn't grow up in the Northwest. I did not grow up in the Northwest. No, um, I uh, I was born in Miami, uh, lived in Miami, South Carolina, uh, Miami again, and Houston before before moving to the Louisville, Kentucky area. Oh, okay. Well, South Carolina is a nice state. I was stationed in Charleston. Charleston. Okay. Yeah. 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 I was in I was in Moolestown. I was in I was in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, Biggest thing I took away from that as a child, I always found it strange growing up, and it took me years to put this together. Why is barbecue red? I thought barbecue was yellow. And I grew up with Maurice's Barbecue, um, Piggy Park Barbecue in South Carolina. It's still my favorite. You know, I'll, I'll, I order the sauce off their website. Um, anytime I go through South Carolina, I have to have it. You know, that, that, that's probably the biggest thing I took away from living in South Carolina was that to me, there's nothing like South Carolina barbecue. But they, uh, I may be in the minority, but again, I always thought it was weird for years. I was like, you know, why is barbecue always red? Why isn't there yellow barbecue too? Oh, oh, wow, yeah. I think the barbecue in the Carolinas is a lot of vinegar, at least of sauces. Yeah, North Carolina is is the heavy vinegar base, and then South Carolina is the mustard base. Oh, okay. uh, it's kind of a combination of mustard and molasses and, and vinegar and uh, um, and different things. I've I've made made a homemade version of it here um, that, that that my kids and I really enjoy as well. So my wife likes her barbecue red, really? red and normal. <laughs> it seems like in the Carolinas uh, they concentrate uh, on uh, let me see uh, ribs, uh, uh, pig ribs, uh, pork ribs, mm-hmm. and then in Texas. They concentrate on brisket. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Texas oh, is definitely brisket. Yes. So the pulled pork okay. in Carolina is good too. But yeah, those, those ribs, those ribs with that with that mustard sauce is is, uh, is good stuff. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, John, I've gotten into the uh, you, and it's off subject, but I've gotten into the Alabama white as well, which is a mayonnaise based sauce with a lot of pepper in it, and that's that's not too bad either. So, but anyways, I'm sorry. <laughs> I haven't heard of this mayonnaise-based sauce. Alabama, huh? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, something. Okay. It's worth a try. It's worth a try. All these weird things we're doing down here in the southeast. So. <laughs> I'll have to look that up online. Okay. All right. Very good. All right. Well, John, do you think Vicky, if Vicky could time travel and change 1982 or 1983 to 
2019 or 2020, how well or how much more easier do you believe her wrestling career would have been keeping in mind that she keeping in mind that she would still probably keep away from Vince McMahon Jr. <laughs> <laughs> she um uh, I'll, I'll tell you the main difference between then and now is if you're a woman wrestling at that time, you were controlled by Mula, and uh, that that's the biggest factor. Um, uh, in the, the, and there's a lot of debate about you know her, her legacy and, and, and everything like that and and, and everything. Um, my feeling and my opinion is you know is Mula held women's wrestling back. And and she held it back. She held everybody else back except for herself because it was all about her legacy. Um, I, I can give you a whole psych profile on, on what I think the issue was with the fabulous Mula, and I think it goes back to her, you know, the issues she had with Billy Wolf and, and Mildred Burke, and, and that she was always chasing and, and pursuing, you know, trying to justify herself to them. And, you know, the sad thing to me is she broke away from, from Billy Wolf, you know, who controlled all the women, who took most of their money, who kept them under his thumb, who charged them exorbitant rents in his buildings and stuff, and, you know, really never let any of them get financially ahead, pitted them against each other. She broke away from that. She partnered up with Jack Pfeffer. She partnered up with Vince McMahon Sr., and she took control of women's wrestling, and she did everything Billy Wolf did in horse. You know, and, and to, to me, that's that, you know, she really held a lot of people back. She stunted a lot of people's careers. Um, you know, if, if you look at what happened to Wendy Richter, you know, I mean, that, that was 100% pure ego on, on Moolah's part, not wanting somebody else to take the spotlight ahead of her, um, which is not healthy for women's wrestling. And I think that's it really, you know, put women's wrestling back, you know, significantly. And um, I, I think if, you, if Princess Victoria or – Leilani Kai or Velvet McIntyre or Wendy Richter were, you know, if you were to time travel and bring them into, you know, 2021, it would be a completely different picture, you know? And if they couldn't find a home, you know, I don't think that they'd want to work for the WWE, you know? I mean, the place to be, if you're, if you're a woman in wrestling, you know, up, and, up until most recently, it's either going to be with stardom in Japan or it's going to be with Impact Wrestling, you know? And with what AEW put on two weeks ago with uh, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, they may be turning the corner as well. Um, I, I think it would be fantastic, you know. To, you know, it's, it's, it's a shame we can't can't throw, put a time machine together, go back and grab one of those tag teams and bring them forward. But you know, certainly this is you know probably the best time to be a woman in wrestling that there's been since you know the 1940s when Mildred Burke was main eventing you know two out of three falls shows every night with Mae Young or Elvira Snodgrass or uh, any number of, of other ladies back then. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Thunder Rosa. We had her on the show. I think she could uh, very well with Tiffany, even if Thunder Rosa could time travel. That'd be a great matchup. Oh gosh, yeah. I think I think I think Thunder Rosa could fit into just about any time period. You'll be she's somebody you you could drop her back in the 1940s and put her in the ring with Elvira or, or, or May Young or or Mildred Burke, and, and they'd go to war. I, I think I think I think that'd be a great matchup. <laughs> I'd love to see that. Well, John, as I mentioned, we had Vicky on the show before, but I could not recall the nature of the neck injury that put her out of the wrestling business. Wasn't it a ruptured disc? It was. It was a. Uh, it, it was a fluke, fluke accident in the middle of a tag team match. Um, I want to say it was De- Despina Montagas um, had her up and just lost her grip. 
dropped Vicky to the mat and then accidentally sat on her head. Um, it was it was not an intentional move. It was not an, a move of experience. You know that Despy was as, as experienced and as skilled as anybody else Vicky was ever in the ring with. It was I'm just one of those unfortunate things that that happens sometimes. You know, and uh, you know Vicky certainly has no animosity about it or no no regrets about it. She'll tell you it's like I don't I don't regret a thing because if I had enough wrestling when I did, then the other good things that have come along in my life wouldn't have come along for me. Um, but that's what it was, and it was. Uh, there's a match, a, a tag team match between the four ladies that took place a couple of days before the injury that's on YouTube. Uh, that's not the match when she was injured. It, it, this was a dark match a couple of days after that. Um, but it was just just her getting dropped, and, and, and then Despy stumbling and, and accidentally sitting on her head while they were in the ring. And um, Vicky says she didn't have any pain at the time. She had no idea her neck was broken uh, or that she was even injured until she got back in the locker room and bent over to try to untie her boots and all of a sudden pain just shot through her entire body. Okay. All right. Yeah. Neck injuries are, are very common in wrestling. Almost every wrestler worth their salts uh, sooner or later injures her neck. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Well, John, speaking of time travel and if Vicky could do this, how well do you think she could have worked with a hurricane? The hurricane. The hurricane. Uh, Mr. Helms. Oh, Hurricane Helms. Oh, yeah. Um, I, th- I think she would. I think she would have got along right with him. <laughs> I think she. <laughs> I think she would have. Um, I actually got a great Hurricane Helms story. Um, I was at the Starcast a couple years ago, and. He approached me because I was there with Dr. D. David Schultz, and he was like, do you think you could get David to do a video with me? And he wanted to do his Gregory Helms ace reporter bit trying to ask a question of Dr. D. David Schultz and have David scare him off. And um, David was, was was not at all about it, and I, I worked David until I, I badgered and badgered and badgered him and finally got him to do it. And it's um, I, think, I think I've got it up on my YouTube channel as well as Instagram, but – um, you know, he was Hurricane was just just absolutely the biggest Doctor D fan, and just so thrilled to meet him. Um, as were a lot of guys that, that were at that particular show, and um, getting to film that little skit with, with him and with Doctor D was, was was kind of a thrill for me. Oh, I'll have to look that up. Okay, mm-hmm. it's just okay. it's just a great little little thirty second bit. He's like, I'm the ace reporter, and I'm here to ask the tough questions. He walks over and runs into Doctor D. He's like, You got a question for me? No, sir, I don't. <laughs> oh, could you send that? Uh, yeah, could you send that uh, video to Sign Guy? Is there a possibility? I can do that. I can certainly. Oh, do that. okay. All right. Very good. Okay. Well, John, in that book, did Vicky uh, talk? I know you and Sign Guy spoke about Pawtade earlier. Did uh, did Vicky mention? Uh, Wendy Richter raising greyhounds. Greyhounds. No, we did. We did not. Did not discuss that. Um, we did. We do have a lot of great Wendy stories. We talk about their trip around the world and um, getting to work in Japan, getting to work in Santo Domingo, getting to work in Mexico, and um, some really great, great road stories with Wendy. But no, we didn't. We didn't get into the greyhounds. Okay. Did she mention or tell you about the unusual way that she and Sherry Martell? used to cool their six-pack of beers. 
Did she mention this? Uh, I be- oh shoot, I believe I- I've heard her tell the story, but uh, but I don't recall off the top of my head now. Well, when she first went out to the East Coast and started staying with Sherry Martel, they just used to tie some uh, rope around their six packs of beer and drop it in the lake. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Because they well they had to hide yeah. them from Mula because there was no drinking allowed yeah. on the compound. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was great. I I saw that in the YouTube video that she put out. Um, uh, enti- it was entitled "Maintaining Kayfabe and Professional Wrestling: The Dark Side mm-hmm. The Dark Side of the Ring." She mentioned yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, in that video, she talked about a seminal moment in early in her career in the Northwest, where Buddy Rose grabbed her by the collar and ran her into a wall, and she, uh, she kind of split her head open. And um, uh, uh, Vicky's brother stood over her, and uh, he got into a boxing stand, and he threatened Buddy mm-hmm. Rose. Do you recall this incident? Yes, yeah. We, that, that's actually the same night as, as that battle royal. Um, and that was she was the last one eliminated, and Buddy came out threw her into the wall and split her open and her little brother, you know, perfect boxing stance. She likes to brag because she taught him how to do it. And, uh, you know, they got back to the locker room and buddy was like, well, what in the world was that all about? I said, that was my little brother. And buddy just said respect and under, understood. So, and, and she had to explain to her brother after that. She's like, look, when I'm in that ring, when I'm doing that, that's my job. You, you cannot come out there no matter what happens to me. But uh, no, she was she was real proud of him for that, and and she still you know she credits Buddy with that. That was the incident that really put her over it and and made Princess Victoria into who she was. Now, uh, about how old was uh, her brother at the time? Do you do you remember? Uh he was he was maybe about I want to say twelve. I, I don't remember for sure. Okay. Now, did this event take place in Coos Bay or in Jean? That I, I don't recall that off the top of my head either. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, now, have you, in your uh, wrestling career, uh, your journalist career, have you had, did you have a chance to meet Buddy Rose before he passed? I did not. No, I have not had a chance to meet Buddy Rose. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. Um, all right. Um, at any time, did Victoria mention a tag team called the Kangaroos, Lord Jonathan Boyd and Serge Charles? And if she did, did she mention them ever threatening her with a uh, with a boomerang? <laughs> no, we no, She did. She did not tell that story either, unfortunately. So, oh, I don't know if she ran into him. I did. She was around in that time where the kangaroos were still uh, active in the Northwest, and the kangaroos okay. had a had a reputation of coming up in the, to the crow's nest to do the promos and shaking their uh, their boomerang at people and threatening to hit them with a boomerang. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. She does have she does have a great story about Piper's uh, promo that he gave he gave up there one time where. Uh, the night they thought he was he, that Don Owen was going to fire him because he was uh, he was shooting with Buddy Rose at the time, and he said, "I've got enough room in my navel for Buddy Rose's brain, a cockroach egg, and the heart of a promoter." And they all thought Don Owen was going to fire him on the spot as soon as he gets back here. And 
Piper came back in the locker room. Everybody was dead silent, and Don Owen came bursting into the room. I want to tell you something, boy. That's the best damn promo I ever heard. <laughs> and they all breathed a sigh of relief. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey, that's a good yarn, yes. Holy smokes. <clears throat> she's okay. got a great Piper story. She, she's got a great one. I won't spoil it, but she's got a great one about how he talked – uh, he, he talked her out of having any kind of a trouble after she had uh, caused a car accident on the way to the hotel one night. Um, it, it's just an absolute classic Piper story. It, it's, a, it's, it's one worth reading the book for. Wow, okay. All right. Well, in this video that I saw her give, she said that one of the highest compliments uh, that she received in her early career was hearing the, the title – He's one of the boys. Now, as you know, another status symbol that wrestlers almost always have to have is the cauliflower ear. Did you mention anything about getting cauliflower ears in the years of wrestling? Um, we didn't talk about cauliflower ears. She's, she's very proud, though, that, that she and she and the other ladies she worked with were, were considered, you know, one of the boys. and. Um, they treated her equally. They treated her with respect. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, over the last year we had the whole speaking out movement with, with pro wrestling and, uh, where a lot of people were talking about, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the sexual harassment that goes on in the locker rooms with the guys and the ladies and, and some of the incidents that have happened. But, you know, she said that that was just, it just wasn't like that at all back in her day. She's like, yeah, you had your rotten apples, but you know, we were brothers and sisters, and we were family. We looked out for each other. She said if she went into a territory and she knew Piper or Morocco or the Head Shrinkers or Terry Allen was in that territory, you know, that they were going to look after them. They were going to take care of them, make sure that they, they got where they needed to go, make sure that they, you know, got food if they needed it, knew where the hotel was, and, you know, they looked out for each other. And, you know, I mean, yeah, they, they didn't, you know, have intergender matches at that time. Sometimes they would have, you know, mixed, mixed tag team matches and, uh, she actually got got a nasty bump from Buddy Landell one night in one of those, but you know they they were they were respected you know as one of the boys and they were treated as equals because you know they worked hard they they perfected their craft you know they didn't complain and and they they went with the flow and they, they knew how the business was run um, you know they were you know she, she has nothing but fond memories of, of, of the guys that she worked with and you know, and, and the respect that they gave her back then and, and, and treating her as, as, as one of them was, was something that meant a whole lot to her. Yes. Yes, and uh, I, I, I really got a kick out of uh, how she had met Hulk Hogan early in her career and got along with him fairly well. But then she went to Madison Square Garden one night, and uh, she hadn't seen Hulk Hogan in uh, about three years. And uh, she was near the ring, and I think she was actually getting ready for a match. And Hope Holman came walking by, and she goes, hey, Terry. And uh, he, j- he kind of briefly looked up, looked up at her and just continued to walk on, as she said with his nose in the air. And if you know Vicky, she speaks her mind, and he got about 10 yards away, and she called out, hey, I see you, you got your nose in the in the Hollywood scene, or and Hollywood has gotten some stuck-up manners. And uh, Roddy Piper was sitting there and overheard this, and Roddy Piper burst out laughing. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we did, we yeah. did tell that story in the book about, uh, you know, and she, she said for the most part, most guys didn't change. There, there were a few guys like, like Hogan who were the exception to the rule who kind of changed and, you know, let, 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 let the thing go to their head. But, uh, you know, for, for the most part, you know, just, you know, most, most of the guys, you know, were, were, were just great to be around. And she's, she's got great stories about Jimmy Valiant and, and uh, Jesse Ventura and, um, you know, a, a, lot, a lot of other guys that she worked with up in New York. Well, now right after uh, – a couple, just only about two or three short years after Vicky retired from the ring, the Seminole sitcom Married with Kitchen came on the air, and Tim Bundy made a few appearances on that show. Well, what do you think Vicky would have done on Married with Children, especially with Al, Al Bundy? Oh, no, she would have thought Al more respect. I don't know that she would have put up with it with Al. Um, it, it certainly would have been, been fun to see her twist somebody like that and not see, you know. Uh, that's kind of thing the Glow Girls were doing back in, in the, the 80s. I was watching Night Court the other night, and uh, um, uh, Matilda the Hunt was, was a guest star. Not, not as Matilda the Hunt, but just, just as a lady, lady in a bar, um, you know. It would have been interesting, you know, to see, see Vicky, you know, to see her and some of those other ladies get, you know, they, they weren't getting those shots at that time, you know, and, and if they did, Moolah Mula would have got most of their pay. So, you know, unfortunately, you know, when, when they made the when they made the cartoon with with Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, it was uh, it was Moolah and I think I think Wendy was a character on it as well, but that that was about it. Okay, so you you're saying that. Uh... Vicky would probably not end up on the couch with Peggy eating bonbons. That's what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, and, and Al would have been serving them on his, on, his, on his hands and knees probably. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, see, I think Al would try to hold his no-man meetings, and Vicky would have burst in and probably wrestled all the men and threw them around. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. The mo- yeah. No I can see that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, at this time, I'm going to turn it back over to Sangai. It was nice talking with you. Great talking with you as well. Back to you, Sangai. Thank you, QT. Well, John, I'm sure one of the things that fans are looking forward to right now, especially up here in our area since they haven't had it in over a year, is live wrestling. Um, we talked a little bit about it earlier, but do you see in the near future uh, kind of you getting out and going to live events and selling the books either with the people you've worked with on an individual book or just as yourself trying to sell books to fans when they're watching live wrestling? Um, I've actually I've got plans. <laughs> I got my first shot. I have my second shot WrestleMania weekend um, in June. Uh, June I want to say June tenth and eleventh. There are three shows going on in Charleston, West Virginia. Uh, Friday night is a men's uh, tournament. Um, Aaron Williams is on the show. Gary J and Jake Crist. Uh, yeah, I'd pay to see any one of those three guys, let alone all three of them on the same show. Um, the next day in the afternoon is a girl fight show, and then that evening is a death match tournament. Um, Pondo is in the tournament. Schlack is in the tournament. Akira, uh, I don't remember the other guys off the top of my head, but P- Pondo put it together. I mean, it's it's eight of the absolute best, hottest guys 
um, in, in the deathmatch scene right now. So, uh, But I'll be there that weekend selling books at those particular shows. And, and then in July, I'll be headed to Waterloo, Iowa for the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame weekend, and I'll, I'll be selling books out there as well. And uh, really, I was, was, was planning to go last year, and it got canceled. And um, really, really looking forward to getting back out there this year. Well, I'm glad you have some things on the itinerary. Uh, we are getting close to the end of our show, though, and I want to make sure you have ample time to plug and promote anything you want. So go right ahead. If there's anything you want to say to the listeners, plug it all. The social media is a website, merchandise, any upcoming projects. The floor is all yours. Thank you. Um, you can find my wrestling website at eatsleepwrestle.com. Um, you can find me on Facebook. You can find Eat Sleep Wrestle on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at John Cosper. That's J O H N C O S P E R. I'm on Instagram at John Cosper Author. Um, you can find my books on Amazon. You can find my wrestling books. Uh, most of my wrestling books are available for sale on EatSleepWrestle.com. If you want an autographed copy, that's the place to get them. Um, I've got Chris Candido's book in stock with signatures from myself and Johnny Candido. Um, I'll have Vicky's books actually arriving tomorrow. They'll come with her signature as well as mine. Uh, Mary Man Pondo's books autographed. Tracy Smothers um, had him sign, sign quite a few stickers back when we first put the book together, and I've still got some. So autographed copies of his book are still available. Uh, Hurricane J.J. McGuire, who was Jimmy Hart's music writing partner, he is the music behind the Wrestling Boot Band, behind the Thunder in Paradise uh, closing theme song, um, behind Hulk Hogan's American Made theme, as well as Sexy Boy and Cocky Cool Bad and over 100 wrestling themes. Um, he put together his autobiography with me a couple years ago. That's available on the website as well. Um, I do have two books about pro wrestling in Louisville called Bluegrass Brawlers and Louisville's Greatest Show. Uh, I've done historical biographies about the Black Panther Jim Mitchell, Avira Snodgrass, and Lord Leslie Carlton. Um, so a lot of things on the, on the website if you want to check that out. Uh, if you want to see my fiction stuff, it's at johncosper.com. Um, and uh, as far as projects coming down the road, well, I'm gonna say, like I said, Ms. Batman uh, Pondo and I are working on book number two for him, and I've just started working with Karen McDaniel on a book about her um, deceased husband, Wahoo McDaniel, which is going to be a ton of fun to work with. And uh, uh, also working on a historical bio about another lady from the 1950s named Mars Bennett, who started off as a circus performer and then became a pro wrestler. And um, actually, right before I went, it was was late getting on the air with you guys tonight because I just got some. Uh, letters and photos of her from the Jack Pfeffer collection at Notre Dame Museum and just yeah, cool stuff. I, I love what I do. And I, I, I love digging up this, this, these stories and um, not only telling the stories of, of more recent people, but, but going back to the past and, and these stories of wrestlers that people haven't even heard of and um, making sure their stories come to light is, is, is just a ton of fun. So anyways, eatsleepwrestle.com is, is my wrestling website. You can start there, find all my social media links there. And uh, as soon as we get off here, I'll, I'll send you guys a link to that video with the hurricane and Dr. D. That sounds like a very solid plan. Thank you very much for taking the time to be with us. And I definitely want to wish you and all the people that you are writing about success with the books. And Princess Victoria, I'm sure, will have a very successful book. We're all looking forward to reading that. Very proud of her getting the book out there. And I definitely look forward to getting a copy myself to read it. Fans, definitely go check out Eat, Sleep, Wrestle, and look up how you can get these books. They're fantastic books. I think you're going to enjoy John's writing. So 
make sure you pick up some of the books, support not only him, but support some of the wrestlers uh, that he's writing about. Great historical accounts in some of these books, too. If you're not familiar with the uh, one on the Louisville area, that was a great read. So definitely pick up his work, check him out. We will be back with you on Sunday afternoon. This coming Sunday afternoon, we will be joined by Reggie Lincoln out of Texas. And then one week from today, uh, we have Anarchy, Inc., a tag team out of the Oklahoma area to join us. So make sure you have plans to be with us. Everybody stay safe out there. Get out and support your local We have some near you, and we'll talk to you soon. Lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.